This morning our text is in Romans 6. And we're going to be walking through verses 15 through 23. So let's go ahead and read that this morning. Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone... As obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer your bodies as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help this morning. By your spirit, you would teach us what we do not know. And that you would make us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That we would think like him, that we would walk like him, that we would love like him. Father, convict us of our sin. May we not take it lightly. May we take our sin very serious. Cause us to live a life of holiness for you. And we are confident that it will lead us to this place of eternal life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, Jason unpacked Romans 6, 1 through 14. Beautiful passage, wonderful passage. It's about our unity in Christ. This is the truth he unpacked, okay? We have freedom from the bondage of sin through being united with Christ. What an awesome truth, right? And and there's two things Paul really wants us to understand about our unity in Christ. Two things. His death and his resurrection. His death and his resurrection. This means that we have, in Christ, died to sin. The same death that Christ died to sin, we have died to sin. Do you see how serious your sin is? It required a holy God-man to go on the cross. So in Christ, we've died to sin. And we've been given new life of holiness in his resurrection. So to live in bondage of sin 
and not a life of holiness. It means that we're not truly united with Christ. There is no option there. You are not in Christ if your life is defined by bondage to sin. There's no way you can come to that conclusion from the Scripture. Those who are united in Christ live a life of holiness. That is our calling. That is our shift. That is our change. We are called to live a life of holiness. We've been set free from a life of sin. And then we can say with confidence, we are truly in Christ. We are truly in Christ. So in chapter 6, Paul, he's turning his focus from 1 through 5, chapters 1 through 5. He's turning his focus to this wonderful doctrine of sanctification. He's going to continue this all the way to chapter 8. He'll talk a little bit about glorification as well, but he's going to continue this thought, this beautiful doctrine of sanctification all the way to chapter 8. This term, sanctification, you may have never heard it before. You may have heard it a hundred times, but you may not really fully understand what it means. The term sanctification is simply this. It's this lifelong process. It's a lifelong process of being made into the likeness of Jesus. You're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is the process of being saved from the power and desire to sin. And then we're giving a desire to live a life of holiness. We're given the power by the Spirit of God to live a life of holiness, to walk by the Spirit. But we must take our own sin, our own sin, very serious. We should never come to a place that our sin is light, that our sin is casual, that we look at our sin and we shrug it off and we hide it under the rug and we say, there's grace. God loves me. He died for that. No big deal. This isn't a call to perfection. We know that that's not possible. That's why we need Jesus, right? We know it's not possible to live perfectly, but to have complete change of direction. We're being saved from that life of sin into a life of obedience. That is sanctification. So I know, I know you've heard these things multiple times. I know you've heard these things many times, at least for me. I've said these things many times about sanctification. I want to make it very clear to us. I want to say them again and again and again that salvation is the truth that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. That's justification, sanctification, glorification. Salvation is all of these. So this means that we can't separate 
justification from sanctification. We can't. Without one or the other, there is no salvation. We must be holy. We must live lives of holiness to Christ. So we've been justified by faith alone. But that faith is never alone. We're not just saved from, but for. That's the very thing Paul is fighting for here. It's the main reason he's going into chapter 6 with sanctification. That's the main reason he's talking about this life of holiness. Romans 5 verse 20, he says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. What a wonderful truth. No matter how great our sin is, no matter how wretched our sin is, no matter how numerous our sin is, God's grace is greater. God's grace is sweeter. God's grace is more. Glorious truth of God's grace for our lives. We can stand in that. But Paul knows the flesh. He knows our hearts. He knows what we are tempted with. We're tempted to take this grace and say, more reason to sin. It's a license to sin. We abuse grace. Romans 6, 1, Paul, I mean, uh, Paul wrote, but Jason taught on this, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? For us to understand grace, if we understand it, that's a foolish question to ask, right? It's foolish to ask a question like that. The equation's like this. More sin equals more grace. So why not sin more? This is a horrible way to look at grace. This is abusing grace. This is a misunderstanding of grace. And Paul answered that question in verse 1 very clearly. The death and resurrection of Jesus and our unity with him makes that question absolutely foolish because we are united with him in his death and his resurrection. We have died to sin and we are alive in Christ. Jason ended with verse 14, chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Another wonderful truth. This is the verse where Paul starts to think with this new illustration of slavery. You see, he uses the word master. The word master, he says, For sin shall no longer be your master. And that thought of being under grace... Rather than the law leads him to ask this question in verse 15. In verse 15, he says, What then shall we uh, sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he answers with an absolutely not, by no means. There's no way you can think that. Here's what I want us to see with this idea of being under grace. 
grace sets us free to serve God. It sets us free to serve God. Grace does something within us that the law was never intended to do, and it can't do. Grace motivates, it empowers, it transforms us to live a life of righteousness to God. The law never could achieve that because the law actually increased our sin. It says it. Where sin, where law increased, sin increased all the more. Sin increases. The law is righteous. The law is from a righteous God. But it never could bring about salvation. It never could bring about obedience because of our hearts, because of our sinful nature, because of our flesh, because of our disobedience. It could never bring about those things. So we now are under grace, not under law. This doesn't mean just because we've been removed from that binding power of the law that we're not still obligated to obey our master. Just because there's grace and we're not bound to the law anymore, it's not binding us. Grace is freeing us. It doesn't mean that we don't have a master and we should obey him. That's abusing grace. That's a misunderstanding of grace. So grace is not a license or a reason to sin. Never has, never will be. That's not grace. Rather, it's the power that changes our hearts to obedience to our new master. Grace, it sets us free to serve God. So the answer he gives is no. And Paul is about to explain that through the rest of this passage here. In verses 16 through 23, with this metaphor of being a slave. Verse 16, we see, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. The point he's making here is, you are a slave. The question is, who is your master? Slaves serve their master in obedience. That's one of the main points he's making in verse 16. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? You're a slave. Who are you obeying? What are you obeying? When you look at your life, your life, not everybody else's, your life, Is sin or God your master? Is sin or God your master? If it's not God, if it's not a life of obedience to God, then you don't have a choice. You're a slave to sin. You are by nature slaves of sin. Sin is your master. You don't rule sin. Sin rules you. It's your master. That's a harsh truth, but it's the truth of the word. You do not control your sin. Your sin controls you. And Christians, when we play with sin, and we dabble in it, and we kind of fill it out, sin always will rule. 
you will never rule over it. This is where we all were before faith in Christ, right? But you can't serve two masters. You can't. You can only serve one or the other. There's only one you can serve. It's not a neutral ground for us. There's only two options. Sin or God. Our flesh, our desires, or God. His desires, His will, His thoughts, His plans, His truth. Those who are in Christ are slaves to righteousness. Free from slavery of sin. So if your whole life, if your whole life is defined by bondage to sin and you claim that God is your master, then you've been fooled. The devil has fooled you into thinking that you are not a slave to your sin and that its horrible results is not yours forever. We must never, ever think that someone can truly be saved if there's never true sanctifying work in their life. If there's not a change of a master, then there never will be a sanctified life. Sanctification comes when your master changes from sin to God. The master you obey brings extreme results. He says that in verse 16. It brings extreme results. They're both completely opposite of one another. One of these results depends on which master you have. You're either a slave to sin, which leads to death. Death here is eternal separation from God's presence. For those who don't know Christ... We don't fully understand that. You can't fully understand the horror and the hell of eternal separation from God. Without God and His presence, it is absolute hell. Slaves to obedience leads to righteousness. That's a life that is pleasing to God. Each will lead you somewhere. You know where you're being led. It's not a secret. You know which master you serve. You know who you serve. And you know the life it's leading you to. You've experienced it. Christian, is there any better place to be a servant of God? A slave to that great master? He's not only our master, he's our father. We're his children. He's a good master. He's a great master. In him, we are not bound up, but we are free to live for him. And the results are beautiful. The results are great. The results are from him. Then verse 17 and 18, he says, Thanks be to God. Thank God I used to be. Right? 
We can all say that as believers. Thank God I used to be this, but now I'm this. We all have that testimony as believers. I believe thanks be to God shows us two things that we need to learn from. This freedom that we've experienced is only by the work and grace of God. You see who he's thanking? He thanks God. We can say that because he gives thanks to the one who has done this for us. So why are we free? Why are we free? Because God has set us free. Thanks be to God. The other thing it shows us is it should lead us to be people of gratitude and thanksgiving. The fact that we've been freed from our slavery to sin and now live a life of obedience and holiness, it should cause us to respond with hearts of thanksgiving, with hearts of gratitude, with hearts of worship. Our worship should be thanking Him. So if you've been set free in Christ, my encouragement to you this morning is to thank Him. Worship Him. Have a heart of gratitude. How often do you do that? How often do you think about what Christ has done in your life and thank Him? When's the last time you've thought about where God has brought you from and where He's bringing you to and you've worshipped Him because of that? See, all of us in Christ can say we used to be. Can you look back and remember your life before Christ? Think about it. Think about your life before Christ. How you used to be slaves to sin. Take a second to think about your former life of slavery. God has set you free from that. And now you are slaves to righteousness. Verse 17, you have come to obey from your hearts the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Paul's talking about the teaching of the gospel. Your faith has produced obedience because God has changed your heart. See, he says from your hearts. You obey from your hearts. It's a genuine obedience that the gospel changes your heart. And now you are committed. Your allegiance is to him and those teachings. You're committed. you wholly devoted to him and his teachings. Verse 19. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Basically saying, sometimes we need a little help. Right? Sometimes we need a little help. So he uses an illustration, he uses a metaphor, and he teaches us through that. We all need a little help. It says, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. He's commanding us. It's an imperative. It doesn't just happen. Christ does something within us. We are justified. We are changed. But there's a call. Live Lives of obedience. Don't think it's just going to happen. There's a responsibility for us. Live lives of obedience. It's time to act. 
time to act on who we are as set free people. It's a command. He said, you used to give yourselves to impure things. You used to be obedient and committed to those things. You used to live a life of obedience to those things. Wickedness. He says, now. Now you live a life of holiness. Things of God. So how does this look practically within your life? You can look within your own life and know. Before you gave yourself to sinful things, right? Pride, comforts of life, material things, things that you thought would satisfy and bring you comfort, money, greed, love of money, addictions, drugs, food, any substance that has a hold of you and you can't let go and it won't let go of you. Sexual immorality, lust, pornography, anger, lying. We were good at it. Very good at it. We did it well. We obeyed very well to our sin. Now, obey righteousness. Obey God. Just as you obeyed these things, obey Him. We must strive to be people who are pursuing humility. Live lives of sacrifice for one another. Don't hold too tightly to material things, but use it for greater things of the gospel, for kingdom things. You have a new king, you have a new master, you live in a new kingdom. Let's start acting like it. We love our God. We truly make war with our sinful desires. These things are still at our throat. We have to fight the battle. We have to fight the good fight. We have to go to war with our sinful desires. We have to pursue sexual purity. We have to have great concern for those who are in need. This is a life of holiness. There's so much more. There's so much more. So when we give our lives to obedience to God, this is our worship to Him. It's simply that. Let's not forget that worship is not only something we do here and sing and hear the word. It is worship. But how do you worship outside of Sunday morning? Do you live lives of obedience to God? Because that is worship that's pleasing to Him. Because if we're not worshiping Him outside of Sunday with obedient lives, then let me just be brutally honest with you. We're bringing up and lifting up words that are empty. They're void. They have no substance. Sunday is just a chance to come together and just express what God has been doing throughout the week. So don't just hear this command 
but actually strive to live lives of holiness. Let God do a sanctifying work within you. Don't hear it and then walk away sad. Don't reflect on the word and then forget what you look like, as James says. Let's look into the word of God. Let's reflect on it. And let's live lives of holiness to our God. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, he says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You can see that we're both fully responsible. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're fully responsible and also fully dependent on God. We're fully dependent on God for our sanctification. For God is the one who works in you to will and to act, to fulfill his good purpose. So here's my encouragement for you this morning. Walk in obedience. Trust that God will do a work in you. He will supply all you need for this life of holiness to him. So will you offer yourselves daily to God or daily to sin? When you wake up, who's your master? Who do you serve? Lastly, in verses 20 through 23, we've already read it. We see God is a better master than sin is. We see that very clearly. Here in these last few verses, Paul is reflecting on the life before they knew Christ. He reminds them that the only freedom they have in their slavery to sin was their freedom from righteousness. That's the only freedom you had. When you were a slave to sin, the only freedom you had was slaves from being slaves to holiness. That's a bad place to be. Bad place to be. They didn't desire a life that was pleasing to God, but rather one that pleased themselves. That's what it means that they were free from righteousness. They didn't want that. They didn't desire that. Jesus said, John 3, they love the darkness. I have come as the light. Those who love the darkness hate the light. They hate the light because the light exposes the darkness. That is our heart's. We do not desire righteousness. We do not desire the light. We desire darkness, and we're satisfied in it. And that's the place they were, free from righteousness. So he's getting them to see that God as their master is much better than being that master to sin. Yes, what's so great about being a slave to sin? What benefits did you reap from it? These things you used to be ashamed of. You were ashamed, you were ashamed of, but before you, did, you wasn't ashamed because you didn't know that you were ashamed. You lived a life of shame without even realizing it. Also, another benefit from slavery to sin is death. We've already talked about that. Death. Very strong words. Eternal separation from God. But the benefit from being 
a slave to righteousness, is first, first a life that is pleasing to God, which is holiness. That life is much better, much better. If you've lived in the life before of being a slave to sin, you will understand as you live as a slave to holiness and righteousness and to God, it's much better. You have a life of joy, satisfaction in Him. You really understand who you're meant for. You live life as the way you were made. Your purpose. Everybody's searching for their purpose. Your purpose is the glory of God. But the ultimate contrast is from eternal death to eternal life. We serve a great master. He provides the path that leads to eternal life. But that path looks like holiness. Without having freedom from sin, God being our new master, living a life of holiness, we cannot receive eternal life. That is the path that is set before us. That's not a works-based system. It's not. Because you have been justified, you now are being sanctified. That's the only path that leads to eternal life. The believer's life should be one that bears much fruit. John 15, those who abide in me will bear much fruit. A life of holiness is the mark of a true, mature believer. He is one who abides in Christ. Lastly, Paul gives this great conclusion, a verse that we all know very well. He compares the wage to the gift. The wage is something earned, and a gift is something received freely. Sin pays the wage of death, but God offers a gift, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So I have some questions for you out of this passage, and I want you to think through them. I want you to examine your life, and I want you to respond to the Spirit and to the Word of God. Here's five or six questions. How do you see your sin? Is it something you take lightly or very seriously? Has the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and God's people been sanctifying you lately? Does being under God's grace transform you and set you free to serve God, or does it give you a reason to sin even more? When honestly examining your life, your own life, is sin or God your master? Do you worship God with a heart of thanksgiving because of what he has done and is doing in you? And lastly, will you walk in obedience and offer yourselves to God daily as your worship to him. So we're going to take a time to respond to God's word. We're going to sing a verse and a chorus. Just a short time to think through the word. 
I'll be here after. Uh, there's other people here that you trust. You can talk with us. Maybe you're here and you think, wow, I'm a slave to sin. I thought I was a slave to God. I thought I followed after Christ. I thought I offered myself to Him. But my life looks nothing like that. And you've been fooled. You can change your master. You can live a life of obedience to Him. You can put your faith in Christ and change your master. Your master will change when you put faith in Christ. He died for you. He lived for you. He resurrected for you. You have all these things in Christ if you have faith in Him. And when you put your faith in Him, your master changes. You become a slave to Him. You come to serve Him. Maybe you are a believer, but you take sin very lightly. You don't look at sin as it should be looked at. Maybe it's a time to just repent. Maybe it's a time to mourn with God. Maybe it's a time to sit there and reflect on who you are in your sin and let God do a work in you for holiness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. It is your word. It is true. And it sets us apart as believers. God, do a work in us by your word and by your spirit and by your people. Use us and use your word and use your spirit to change us. God, we ask... That you would teach us to take our sin very serious. That you would reveal our sin as horrible and disgusting. That you would give us the desires and the power to live a life of holiness. God, we need you to sanctify us. We're here to say we are offering ourselves to you. We love you and we desire to please you. God, use this time as we examine. Show us our hearts. And may Christ be central and true in this teaching. In Jesus' name, amen.